Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Carrie. And I'm Tanya. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 82. Today, we'll be talking about planning for the second semester of the school year. We'll also share some highs and lows from the teaching week, discuss some ideas in a segment called Know Better, Do Better, share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip, And in our CODA section, we'll share our 21 for 2021 lists. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So now it's time for us to share some highs and lows of our teaching week, our very brief teaching week. We just came back after winter break couple days with kids, although Tanya's on a weird schedule this week. Maybe that's yeah. what you're going to talk about. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, it's a lot of, it's asynchronous this week, but then that's not going to stay. Anyway, it's a long story. Yeah. Okay. So what's your <laughs> high or low? <laughs> okay. So um, I, I have a low. I know it's 2021 and it's all supposed to be sunshine and rainbows. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. No. And um. This is not exactly about the, well, it's all encapsulated in what you do as a teacher, right? Even though it, this does not have to do with actual teaching of the kids, either on Zoom or in the room. It has to do with um, being a part of two different staffs and being a traveling teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Communication styles is a thing. Um, yeah. Duh. Duh. Like I knew that I'm just having some issues. Um, and I mean, not just me, but my team is having some issues with um, different communication styles. Notice I keep saying that instead of other things. Uh, <laughs> and Carrie, I know you, you know this and you're learning this, but when you teach at more than one school and you get a lot of emails or you don't get emails and like you fall in the cracks as far as like what people tell you and what people don't tell you. And um, I just like to put a request out there to the world in general. Could you, could you please like label your emails and um, things on Google docs and, you know, so if I see a Google doc that's been shared with me and it says, remote teaching schedule. Oh my goodness. I mean, it could be one of four schools because it could be from my children's, one of my children's schools. It could be from one of the schools we teach at. It could be the other school. we Like oh, the name of the school. Oh, the name of the person putting it out and their connection to the school. All that nor- nomenclature is kind of important. So it's just frustrating to, to take the extra time to dig through things and, f- and find out when people are or are not communicating with you to like pinpoint who are who is this and what is this what school is about yeah um I'm, we're having this issue with our children's schools too because it seems like the middle school and high school like will email and they won't identify like a, a administrator or a teacher will email and not identify what school they're from and then just launch into this here's what's happening next week blah 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 right. and it really i i have to get through the whole email before i can say before I can figure out where's who, what's this concerning, <laughs> you know? Anyway. Yep. Yeah, I hear you. All that I, makes a difference. My first year being in two schools, I'm definitely learning this. It's, there are muddy waters to navigate for sure. Right. And you don't know till you know. I mean, yeah. you know. All right. All what right. Are you, <laughs> you going to bring us up? Yes, I am. Woo-hoo. So 
I did teach live classes this last week. We only had two days of live classes, but um, it was just so great to see the kids. And, you know, being on this, we're on these two week rotations where, you know, in real, in, in school week time, we see kids for two weeks and we don't see them for four weeks, but then add break to that, this particular group of students I haven't seen since, what would it be? November? Mm-hmm. You know, so um, it was just really great to see this particular group of kids. I'm back at my homeschool and it just felt really good to see them. And especially the little ones, I just have to say that I have a K-1 split class. This happens to be my dual language class this week. And oh my goodness, amazingly sweet, wonderful, just amazing kids. And I was just so happy to see them. And I got a lot of, I love you, Miss Nicholas, at the end of our Zoom calls, which just brought a smile to my face. But a specific high I also just want to mention is, um, you know, there are so many negatives to teaching remotely, as we know, but there are some positives. And actually, one of them is I actually get to see their face. You know, when we were in person and we had masks on, I couldn't see them. I couldn't see their expressions. And our kindergarten students, who I didn't know, you know, seeing them without their masks on in Zoom, at first I was like, wait a minute, wait, who is this again? Because yeah. the only way I knew of these students was with a mask on. So there are a couple kiddos, um, kindergartners especially, I feel like I've gotten to know better because I can see their face and they they just seem happy and, and willing to share and talk, maybe talk too much on Zoom, where in the classroom, maybe they didn't feel free to do that. So anyways, it's just, it was a, it was a really nice two days of live classes and I was just happy to see my students again. Yay. And now it's time for our main theme. And today we're discussing how we are planning for planning in the second semester of a whacked out COVID uh, everything's weird school year. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. So, you know, you got to take it as it comes and things have changed and then things have changed again. And um, presently, Carrie and I are in the same district and... We are teaching remotely until January 19th, as far as we know. Um, And then we're supposed to be 100% in person and masked, of course. In fact, did you know, Carrie, did you read all the stuff about how now we got to wear eye protection and N95s instead? No cute masks anymore. Oh, no, I didn't see that officially. I know yes. they've been so now we'll wear promoting the face masks and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, anyway, that's another thing. But yeah, yeah so you just, we're just rolling. We're right. just rolling with it. So we were going to talk about several things about our yearly plans and um, what's changed, how we're adapting. All right. So how have your yearly plans changed this year, Carrie? Well, because of COVID, but then also because of being split between two schools this year for the first time, my whole, you know, rotation schedule thing is really what's changed. And I also, I just want to acknowledge too off the bat that, you know, Tanya and I are going to talk about our situations knowing full well that everyone's situations are so different um, as far as how often you see your kids, if you're in person, online, hybrid, whatever. Um, So we're not going to go, you know, too crazy in detail just because then we don't feel like that's going to serve the masses. So we'll, we'll talk about our situations, but just know that we also are aware that everyone's situation is different. So anyways, um, as far as my situation goes, and Tanya's in the same boat, seeing my kids for a two-week rotation where I see them every day in some way, um, 
for two weeks and then not seeing them for four weeks. That has really changed the way that I, I plan my year as far as a traditional code I sequence goes. And how do I fit my my concept plans, which are the, you know, prepare, present, practice um, chunks of the year? How do I fit that into a two-week rotation scenario instead of just a continuous rotation scenario, which is what I've always taught ever for many years. So that's been my biggest my biggest change. And when I sat down to do my yearly plans at the beginning of the year, I, I charted it all out as far as during these two weeks in this grade level, what new concept do I want to introduce? And how am I going to go about that, knowing that if I started preparing this concept in our last rotation, now I haven't seen those kids for four plus weeks. So I've really compartmentalized my concept plans to fit within a two-week rotation, which, you know, if you would have told me two or a year ago even that I would only be preparing a concept for three days before I presented on Thursday, I would have thought that was total sacrilege and insanity. Oh, yes. But as Kodai teachers, we just, we've had to really let go of some of those rigid planning structures that we rely on so much and help us in many ways. I'm not saying they're bad. Um, And in a normal quote unquote year, you know, whatever that means, will I go back to the old way? Yes and no. I feel like there are some things that I would go back to, but then there's some things I might still embrace. And one of them is, you know, do we really truly need to prepare a concept for as long as we think we do? And that's a huge Kodai world discussion. Well, so, it depends on so many things, right? I know, so. right. Well, and, and just the whole general pacing, you know, am I going to try to get through all the same concepts that I normally get through in a third grade year? Or am I just going to pick and choose the one that are the biggest? Or am I just going to say, I'm not getting to this and I'll get to it in fourth grade? You know, because not only are we, we are focusing on the concepts that we feel as Kodai teachers are, are in that traditional sequence, but we also have guidelines from our district, from our state, as far as what we should teach. So it was also a matter of like coming up with that hierarchy of what concepts are certain, super important, what ones can I let go? And also in general too, I should back up and say music literacy in general has taken less of an importance in my year. Yes, it still guides what I'm doing. Yes, it's still, I'm still doing music literacy, but I'm bringing so much more in. Okay. I've been talking for a long time, Tanya. So I'm no, it's all good. No, I'm, I'm just I'm mulling over all the things that you are saying because same for lots when you talk about music literacy, I think the big thing, and this doesn't really have to do with COVID year at all, um, but just a lot of reflection over this past year and even before the school year started is that I think I'm changing my definition of music literacy and what exactly that means. And so that has yes. really changed on how I'm doing my hierarchy of things, right? Um, yeah, so so I am not as concerned this year, especially because of the different environments that we're teaching in online and in person. I'm I'm concerning myself less with what we traditionally perceive as music literacy, meaning reading, writing, improvising with a Western music notation system. That is less of a focus for me. And I'm not saying that it's I'm throwing everything out the window and everything. It's kind of like I feel like this is kind of an experimental year where I'm really questioning 
um, what's going to bring the most love of music to kids, and can we consider music literacy to be a much broader umbrella? I keep thinking back to the book. Now that I'm saying and I'm think I'm uh, teaching for musical understanding. Yes. It was how many years ago did we read that? That was like two years ago. Okay, so like now two I'm, years I, ago book club study. Yeah, two summers so, ago. I, it's just been, I, I'm going to, I need to go back and read that book again, because right. I think that I'm, I'm more able to really embrace some of those ideas. And I, that's just kind of like a, a personal, me as a music education, educator needs to have some more understanding. It doesn't have to do really with the COVID world at all. Um, yeah. So uh, back to what you were saying about adjusting things and deciding what's most important. I have to say, and this, I kind of feel controversial for saying it, but everybody talks about 2020, let's get out of 2020, this 2020 was a dumpster fire and all that. Honestly, this school year um, has been so much better for me as a professional, personal and personally, just in my, my teaching world all around. It has been yeah. a much better year. There was some stresses the year before, um, you know, partially to with being at two different schools, but there, um, there was some extra stresses that uh, I was in. And I'll just say uh, one of the huge ones was large class sizes, mm -hmm. large class sizes that wouldn't have been put on a classroom teacher. And this I know because uh, people in my building said, oh, well, we wouldn't, you know, we got to make sure we don't have these large class sizes of these particular students who have more needs. We're not going to do that to a classroom teacher. Anyway, I don't want, I don't want to get political and, and, you know, woe is me because that year is over and done with. But this past year, school year has been a lot more positive all around. I feel like I'm better connected to students. I feel like I have, um, more excitement for what I'm doing in the music classroom and even on Zoom. And I think a lot of that has to do with my mind shift and attitude change because I, I kind of at the beginning of the year embraced a um, let's just focus on getting kids to love being musical and connecting with them. And I mean, that's very broad, but I put that as this is the most important thing and my love of music is what I want to convey more than them being able to read a specific melodic pattern. And I'm not saying that music literacy in that way, I mean, it's part of our curriculum, it's, it's in there, but I did a lot more focus on the social emotional parts and a lot more listening and a lot more um, participating in active music making without knowing exactly what meter we're in or what tone set we're using or what rhythm we're using. And all that to say, I know I've dropped the ball on some of these Western music notation literacy concepts, Kodai concepts. Um, I don't want to say I'm behind because I don't want to look at it like that because right. these children and anyone can have a rich musical life without ever identifying Doe as the tonic, right? Mm -hmm. So um, 
that uh, since the beginning of the year has kind of been like okay well let's let's experiment a little bit more this year with a broader understanding of music literacy and so i'm going to not do as much like we got to get you know through our pentatonic i've been doing a lot less of that and i've been letting some of the world music take center stage and some of that like when we're in school active music making but not really defining every little thing because you know what when you got a bunch of kids sitting in front of you with ukuleles you can talk about chords till you're blue in the face or you can play and play and play and then later say by the way i mean that's the kodai way anyway right yep, totally. yeah that yeah it's all experience 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 oh hey this thing that you love let me tell you the you know intricacies about it so i i feel like i'm still in a kodai framework um but the specifics of concepts are not there this year does that make sense yeah yeah definitely but of course i'm fighting all the time in my head i'm like i mean i've got two sides of my brain that are are fighting each other and saying like what kind of kodai teacher are you and and i know i i don't know if it's I, I'm not going to blame it on the Kodai training. I'm not going to blame it on like these structures that we've been taught. Honestly, I think that the Kodai philosophy attracts those of us who really want a checklist and a sequence. Oh, and yes. a, so I think those of us who are like really diving into the Kodai world, that's what we love that kind of guidance and we mm-hmm. attach to these systems. Um, and like you were saying before, that there's there's no hard and fast rules. Like I have always, always, and I don't need to look at a, a cheat sheet to remember this, but I'm like, if it's a, we're going to be melodic and we're going to be rhythmic in every lesson. We're going to be focusing on practicing this rhythmic skill and we're going to be prepping this melodic skill. And I tell you what, I have I haven't hardly done any lessons where we have an equal balance of the melodic and the rhythmic and practicing and prepping within a lesson because like you were saying it doesn't it doesn't flow like that and i have been like i've got these two weeks and we're gonna ticka ticka and i'm gonna bring in some other things to keep our love of everything our love of music going on and by the end of our two weeks we'll have presented ticka ticka and and that and I'm letting the rest of it go for these yep. two weeks. And that's let's see how that goes. The other thing we have to remember is that children um, under these circumstances, they're going to be experiencing and they're going to be soaking in information differently, right? Mm-hmm. We just can't expect, I don't know, I, I, I don't think I'd feel really good if I'm like, well, I'm true to my Kodai sequence. And yet the kids don't like music and they haven't learned anything, really. Right. Totally. Yeah, I think for me, it's just been about finding a new balance this year because I I definitely haven't completely let go of my my traditional Kodai concepts. They're still planned out in my year that I plan on still kind of hitting all the major melodic and rhythmic concepts. But like you said, it's about finding a balance. Yes, we're still going to talk about Tikka Tikka. We're still going to talk about the pentatone, but we're also doing lots of other experiences that I might not have done in other years, more social emotional learning experiences. I haven't been as good as you about the world music stuff, but you did the world music pedagogy. So I know you were all on fire to do that and I'm learning and I'm doing. Oh, more I, I, sure. I, I, I so much more to learn and do. There is really there's a lot yeah um so the next thing 
I, I had on our little list of things to talk about is, is there anything that you know that you're going to adjust the second semester that do differently than you did in the first semester? Or are you kind of still just feeling it out as you go? Um, I need, I need to, I need to really get more melodic and, and, and we need to, we need to sing, we need to sing more. And I know, um, I'm still going to be, of course, safe about it and limiting our singing time, but that is something that I, I am still struggling with that we've gotten away from singing and it totally shows. I don't know if you've noticed in your students that, um, when we do sing, they're not where they used to be as far as singing in tune and and especially the younger ones you know i mean i know each year in our state we have a um oh my goodness i'm i'm blanking what's it called carrie the goal that you have with the state that you have to show growth with a specific goal oh, or two like goals. Our personal <laughs> Oh my I forgot what it's called too. It's like our personal growth goal or whatever yes. for your evaluation and all that. Right. Stuff. And they, and we dropped it, this, uh, not we, the state dropped it this year. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, but almost every year mine has been connected to in tune singing mm -hmm. with the younger grades because I've always thought that that is something that has to be in place for them to truly understand melodic and harmonic concepts. Right. Right. And this is a definitely from the Kodai world. Well, I'm not hammering away at that this year. I don't have that, not just because I don't have that goal, but because of the safety things and because mm -hmm. it's difficult online. And um, so, yeah, this next semester, I am going to purposely focus more on some melodic concepts that I kind of let go um, because it was a challenge in the fall when I did try to bring in some of that stuff because they are not um, getting those experiences, those singing experiences that we're used to getting. And I know you, Carrie, you had a whole structure this year where you were going to do, like deliberately from the beginning, where you were going to have most of your melodic work in this next semester, right? Yep, yep. I specifically planned my year this way where, you know, in a traditional Kodai year, you would do a rhythmic concept and then a melodic concept and a rhythmic concept and a melodic concept as far as, you know, um, order of presentation. Um, where this year I've done all the rhythmic concepts first and then the melodic concepts will start happening in the second semester. And I did that purposefully hoping that, you know, some of our, um, you know, regulations would be looser in the second semester and allow for more singing and singing games. Now, we're not there yet. Um, we, we teach in a district where we are allowed to sing for, you know, small periods of time as long as we have masks on and space as much as possible. It's definitely not six feet. And then time between classes for air exchange. That's that's where our district's at. But even knowing that, in in a particular lesson, if you were to add up the amount of singing time... Um, that my students were doing, it was probably less than five minutes because we were doing so much more rhythmic work with body percussion, chanting, non-pitched percussion instruments, et cetera. So anyways, knowing that, you know, we're still not there, we're still not ready to rip off those masks and sing for an entire class period. Not that we really ever did that before, really, truly in an elementary class, but still, um, I, I definitely think I'll be pulling in a lot of 
boom whackers and orf instruments to help promote melodic concepts. But I agree, I do want to get them singing. And we're lucky in Colorado that the weather is so that even in the early spring, you know, the weather could be good enough to go outside and maybe yeah. do some more singing outside. So, yep, I'm with you that the melodic work is going to kick into higher gear. And, you know, I'm hoping in not just a theoretical way, I'm hoping in an actual practical active music making way, but it really just depends on where we're at, right? Right. You know, and something else that I feel like I've always been weaker on is the harmonic work. Yes. And since I've brought in ukuleles, and also since I do have a classroom set of keyboards that I set up um, usually right after spring break, I'm thinking that I will set those up earlier since we, see, it's always been each year that I don't set it up. I don't set up my keyboard lab because it takes up the periphery of the room and it kind of really limits our dancing and our moving yeah. around and creative movement. And this year I'm like, well, so Doesn't what? You know? <laughs> exactly. Keyboard lab we are. Um, so I'm going to be setting up that keyboard lab, lab earlier in March. Um, and I do, I feel like I've shortchanged for many years, the harmonic yes. aspect of things. I 100% agree. Yeah, I feel the same way about my ORF instruments. My my room at my home school is, it's a decent size, but it's not big enough where I can have ORF instruments out all the time and still have room for movement and things. So yeah, I'm agreeing with you that I'm probably going to get like all the ORF instruments out and just leave them out in rows so that students can play every day when we're working on melodic stuff. And then mm -hmm. also harmonic, you know, understanding how we can create bordoons and we can create chord structures with our orf instruments and melodic ostinati and all that kind of excited to dig into that because that's just something i don't give enough time to in yeah. a normal year so so um we kind of alluded to this while well, we talked about it a lot but can we talk a little more specifically about our whole ppp concept plan and how that's changed um I mean, I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, this idea of a normal concept plan where you prepare something for a couple of weeks. I mean, I would say it was it would be a typical three weeks seeing my kids maybe twice a week. Um, you know, so that's six to seven class periods, depending on how often you see your kids that you're preparing a concept and then you present it it's that magic moment where you present it and then you practice it for forever after that, mm -hmm. where this year within my two week rotation, I'm doing like a general, I prepare something for three days, <laughs> three class periods, and then Thursday I present it. And that's really just kind of the structure that I've been using. And then we practice it the rest of that rotation and then as well as into the next rotation, because typically practicing one concept leads you into preparing the next concept, right? Yes. So it's kind of a natural part of the preparation. Um, are you doing something kind of similar, Tanya, as far as your literacy stuff goes when you are doing it? <laughs> I didn't mean that as a dig. I just meant it as like fact. When you bother to teach music literacy. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, it's just funny. Um, yes, I also have embraced the we're preparing this one thing and we are not really, I'm not formally practicing other things during those, those prep classes yes. because the other thing is my class time at least at one of my schools is five minutes less yeah. and then online um it's the same amount of time but it, the, the attention is a little more fractured right yeah, yeah so you had mentioned about like in a normal year or whatever how many class periods you might prepare thing and i want to really stress that that really depends 
on the students and the concept too. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because 100%. I mean, as a general rule, melodic concepts are going to require more prep, especially if they're not singing in tune or you know, mm-hmm. um, than rhythmic concepts. And then within your melodic and rhythmic concepts, of course, we know that there are specific um, concepts that are going to take longer. Like I will syncopa prep for twice as long right before i present that because syncopation is it's not as cut and dry yeah as the other concepts and even if they understand it intellectually and mathematically that doesn't mean they have the feel for it and then again the other thing that i have really noticed and and this is all grades is that when you take away the ability to move it to experience prep the movement part in prep that also has made it so that I have to spend longer in prep. Like I'm thinking about, let's just say steady beat, right? I feel like, I mean, generally in kindergarten, we are prepping steady beat the entire year. Right. Right. But as far as really making the distinction between steady beat and rhythm, I haven't done that yet with my kindergartners. Yeah, no, me neither. And I think, I mean, that's because of a lot of things, but one of them is that we're missing the physical yeah. prep yeah. because we're not doing as much because of safety, safety things, or maybe we're at home more. And like um, when I'm doing my remote lessons, I'm moving and grooving, especially with those younger ones, but I still have, I don't know about anybody else, but I still have some kids who are not getting out of like a lying down position on the couch uh-huh, uh-huh. while I'm moving and grooving. And I'm not blaming the kids. I'm just saying that, you know, when you take away that physicalness, especially with things like steady beat or any rhythmic thing or any meter thing, then in order for them to internalize that is going to take a lot is going to take more time right yeah definitely and it's feel i mean if anything that reminds me of how solid the whole prepare present practice model is when you talk about doing it physically doing it visually mm-hmm. doing it orally you know the kin- the kinesthetic we shortchange it and we forget how important it is and i'm really seeing that this year Totally. So 100%. now that I've talked so much, what was the question? I don't even know. Oh, no, just how we've, no, you're, you're saying, I mean, how we've had to adapt our, our, our concept plans, our PPPs and okay. lack of, of physical preparation and physical practice, you know, because we're not able to do as much movement stuff. Right. It's huge. Right. And, you know, I, there's so many visual stimulating things we are so visual in our society like all the time but especially right now yeah with the shutting down of of other things that we we can't do um that i i kind of feel overloaded with the visual but i mean i'm not i mean okay there's lots of different schools of thought there are some people who say that the whole idea of visual learners and kinesthetic learners and oral learners is bogus and and we're not thinking that way anymore um i don't agree with that and i don't have lots of reading and research to back that up i know i'm just like it's antidotal for me but i i do think that people uh, lean more one way 
as far as how they internalize and how they learn best. I, yeah. And I just, you know, as just as a learner myself and also observing students and also observing my own children. I mean, my daughter is very much like me. She sits and does her homework and she's talking the whole time. She's talking out loud. She's processing by hearing it. It's mm -hmm. really sometimes annoying and very, very fascinating that she needs to hear things and it. speak yeah. and talk through it. Yeah. And that's that's why you and I are doing this podcast together. That's true. I, I couldn't do this alone. Yeah. Because I need you. Right. We need, I need to, to talk. Process through those things. To process. Well, so anyway, the important that thing say, is that it's not you're like teaching to a certain style of learner. It's that you're balancing your activities because right. like you said, especially as adults and especially in the 21st century, you know, we do so much visually and that's so many of our defaults. I know it's mine is, oh, how am I going to teach this concept to my kids? I'm going to make this slideshow. And that's how I was before COVID. And then you add COVID into it where we're processing everything through our computers. So it's just about finding that balance. And even in the world we're in now, now, like you said, incorporating those movement and, and physical things into even a Zoom call, knowing that maybe not all the kids are going to get up and do it, but mm -hmm. we're trying. We're doing our best. Exactly. Yeah. The so other anyway. way that I've really adapted my concept plans is just less song literature in general and digging deeper with fewer songs in, in a typical Kodai levels program when you create your concept plans. You know, I, I feel like the average is like five songs you know, to prepare and present a concept with, and then you add some new literature after that. So you end up teaching right. them, you know, anywhere, you know, five to, to eight songs um, or, or pieces of repertoire to to teach that particular concept. And I'm, I'm more to like two or three. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah. I'm averaging three. I'm like yeah. thrilled if we're like really digging do deep on two and then we get a third one in in the practice phase. Right, exactly. Which, you know, also is kind of like this self-selection thing as far as, you know, COVID goes, because there are certain songs that without the game are just not engaging to the kids and they, they don't even maybe make a lot of sense. Like Tidio, for example, I've been trying to use Tidio to teach Tikka Tikka and I'm like, without the singing game for Tidio, what this what is this song about? So like I tried to include some body percussion, but I'm like, okay, it's just not the same. So Well, and there's that interesting because it kind of harkens back to this idea that I know I learned in my level one Kodai was that so many of these songs they are organically linked to the game yes. from the get-go that yes. it's not that then they decided to put a game with it it's they came and they formed together like the yeah. movement the dance the game with the song they're like intertwined yeah, so between editing out songs because we're not able to do the game and editing out songs that I have recently found through research to be um, problematic, perhaps because of racist backgrounds or sexist backgrounds or, or historical things that I don't want to touch with young students, I, I feel like that's okay that I've had to do a lot less song literature because there's less to choose from this year just because of a variety of circumstances. Yeah. And I mean, there's more songs out there. I just haven't had the plethora of time to go through my song collection and find new songs. So that's just on right. me. <laughs> but all right. It's well, short. kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about with this, Tanya, was like, what what have you taken out due to COVID and what have you put in in its place? We've mentioned a few things already. Um I will start by saying, I mean, I made the decision we will not be playing recorder this year. I know some people are still trying to make that happen. 
whether it's mm-hmm. because they're able to play at home or outside. I teach in in a school situation. My home school is it's a Title I school, so to require all my students to have a recorder to take home, it's just not going to happen, and it's not necessarily in my budget to give them all a recorder. And then the cleaning process, I'm just not going there. But no. I did a Donors Choose, and I got a class set of ukuleles that I've yet to unbox and actually do anything with yet because we've been online so once we go back in person i'm really excited like you mentioned especially to reinforce harmony but really just for the joy of playing an instrument oh, um, yeah. and i got those plastic watermen ukuleles um that are easy to clean so with my fourth fifth and sixth grade students i'm really excited and maybe younger we'll see how it goes but definitely with those older students give them right. a ukulele to play so well i feel like i can't i mean same I made the decision before school, like back in July, I was like, yeah, no recorders this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm sticking with that no matter where we are on the vaccine or whatever limitations, we're not doing recorder. Um, yes, I've done u- ukuleles because I received some ukuleles at the end of last year that I was a r- really on the verge, like, okay, we're going to do it next week. And then we went into lockdown, right? So. Um, yes, I'm doing ukuleles now. I'm doing some more world music exploration. And um, with the world music, what I really need to, to now focus on is more participation of, of playing along per- with percussion, with playing with world music recordings and like being uh, having kids do active music making with world music, which makes me a little more nervous. Um, but it's it's time for us to yeah. be doing that. Uh, so yeah, same thing, more instruments. And of course, we've taken out a lot of the dancing. We're not taking hands, which I'm still uh, almost weekly. I, I'm still, you know, head slapping and going, oh, we can't take hands. Oh, we can't take hands. That That's something that I, I truly miss, that, that connection. Yeah. Um, yeah, we are, I'm making circles, but they're pretty big. Right. Um, Yeah, it depends on the size of your room and all that. Yeah. So now it is time for our segment we call Know Better, Do Better, where we reevaluate a practice or a piece of repertoire or anything in our classroom where Upon reevaluation, we might decide to do differently. So this one was inspired by David Marks, who wrote us a message on Instagram asking for some advice on on a situation. And with his permission, we're going to read his question and we're just going to talk through how we responded. Um, And then, of course, if any of you listeners have thoughts on it, you are welcome to add your voice to the conversation by sending us a message or maybe we'll put a a post on it that you can comment on. We haven't really thought through that part yet. Oh, no, let's do that. Let's do yeah. that on our Facebook page. Continue the conversation, basically, because, you know, this is just Tanya and I processing, but there are many other voices that need to be heard in this. So here's the question from David. Hi, Carrie and Tanya. I have a question about being an advocate for our BIPOC students and wanted to get your input on the situation to see if you had any advice. Today, the HR, meaning homeroom, I believe, teacher was 10 minutes late, in parentheses, another story, right? And my students asked me how I edit my voice. I showed them on GarageBand how to transpose another student's voice. When I transposed his voice down, a student called out, he sounds black. Do you have any suggestions on how to respond to that or advice on who to ask? 
So, <laughs> Tanya and I happened to be talking on the phone when David sent this Instagram question in. So Tanya read it to me, and, and we talked about it immediately, and then um, gave him our advice. And again, fully knowing that this is just our voices in the conversation, and there's many other voices that that should be heard here. But my my immediate instinct was to ask the student, "Why do you think that?" And not in an accusatory way, just in a probing for more information way. Um, and Tanya, you when you were typing back and forth with David, you kind of mentioned this that, you know, s- students are are I, I can't remember exactly how you said it. You said it this way. I'm looking at it now. Kids have such a limited experience, and they only know what they've been around. So just you know, probing the student for more information of why they're going to say that before reacting in a way that's you know accusatory or condemning of the child um but probing for more information and then responding appropriately based on what the child says right right and then um, we talked about and and david you know we had a great back and forth um that we talked about what a, a what a perfect organic learning moment right yep. i mean of course the teacher's coming and they're leaving you might have to carry it into the next classroom but what a great opportunity to say okay well let's talk about how voices sound and let's talk about you know what kind of physical characteristics might be attached to what we think voices should sound like and let's talk about those stereotypes and not in a a gotcha way Mm -hmm. but i even suggested and i think i'm gonna I, i am gonna do this and I'm kind of excited about it, and I want to see how it it turns out. Um, I, I was thinking about all of several singers, and I brought up uh, Maria Batania, who is a Brazilian singer who has a very rich, sultry voice that when you first hear her, you think she's male. Like right. uh, there's a, a a duet that she does with another Brazilian singer called Soy Male. And we think that it's between, when you initially hear it, most people think it's between a man and a woman, but it's two women singing, right? Right. Um, and so I was thinking of doing a slideshow where we're um, presented with like a picture of three different people. And then we hear a voice sample and they say, which one do you think that is? Mm-hmm. Right? I'm thinking Michael Jackson as well. And yeah. it's also interesting in our culture and many other cultures how women are praised for singing low and men are praised for singing high, right? Yes. How popular has the falsetto, the male falsetto been in rock music, pop music, disco, like uh, all these genres of music? I mean, this is really, you could really take this a lot of different places. And I just right. think it's it's fascinating um, to to lead students down that road of what you see is not exactly what you would stereotype here right mm-hmm. and it goes beyond color and it goes beyond appearance it also goes beyond gender right mm-hmm. um, yeah that's so- what i was thinking you can bring i mean gender is a huge part of this but specifically to his question it was more about the issue of color and, and race and i you know he mentioned that he really talked to his student about um about scientific, you know, the scientist, scientific aspects of range. And obviously this all depends on the age of the students, how, how in detail you want to go with this. But, you know, I just really like this idea of breaking these ideas of stereotypes of race and gender by just showing a plethora of examples and, and just breaking whatever, I mean, whatever that caused that child to say he sounds black is, is that coming from a place of, 
you know, because I heard this one black singer once who had this really low voice. So therefore now I associate all black singers to have low voices, or is it coming from something deeper? And it, it really all just comes down to opening the world of music to our kids. It's, it's so big and so broad and making sure we're giving them a plethora of examples from all different genders, races, regions of the world, right? Yes, and right now we have so many artists, so many musicians who are really actively challenging those stereotypes. And yeah. I brought up um, Puddle's Pity Party. Yeah. You know Puddle's? <laughs> Yeah, the clown. Because, you know, he's he's dressed as a, a sad clown and this gorgeous voice comes out mm -hmm. and he's singing these rock songs. Yeah. Right? Um, there's just so many examples that you could bring out that uh, – and, and doing that, depending on the students, you're going to have to be prepared to hear laughter, to hear, yeah. um, you know, uncomfortableness. And it's very interesting this year – um teaching at the two schools so my home school um when i play things for them that are really different like culturally mm -hmm. they they're they don't um they don't criticize they don't giggle generally right they i won't say that i've i've totally gotten them used to all of that but i think that they're more in used to that than others and my valid validation for that is that at my other school that I've never taught at until this year, it, when I started playing music that was sounding very different from your typical Western pop, rock, all that, there was giggling. There was like, what kind of accent is that? There was like a lot of those initial um, reactions. And at one time as a younger teacher, I it, honestly, it would make me annoyed and mad, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah. We have to understand human psychology says when we're uncomfortable with something unknown, we laugh at it, we make fun of it. Yep. That is a natural reaction. And it's not because the kids are have preconceived. Well, I mean, they do have some preconceived, depending on what life experience they've had. Of course. But it's not mean and malicious. And it's it's unfamiliar. And so how do I react? I make fun of it. So I think that's really important to keep in mind that when you play, if you play kabuki theater, you know, singing, if you play things that are just so foreign to them, that you are going to get pushback. Yeah. Um, and this is not just children. This is everybody. I oh, mean, yeah. I keep I keep calling back to my, my album group. Um, shout out to Mike's sister. He's, he's one of my album groups, and he said his <laughs> sister is a music teacher, and she had actually heard of our podcast. Oh, so. nice, nice. I, I know. Say, I was any like... of these people listen to us? Okay, nice. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were asking. I said, really, guys, it's very niche. You would have to be a music teacher and an elementary music teacher. And then Mike was like, but, but my sister is. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I keep talking about this album group I'm in, and the whole point, in my mind, of, of being a part of this is that I want to be introduced to albums that I'm not familiar with and I want to be more open-minded in my listening and just like the few months that I've been a part of this when I am confronted with music that is just so off the beaten track of what I do yeah my first reaction is like Ugh. Mm -hmm. and it takes some repeated listening like yeah one of, one of our members says um and we've all some of us have tried to adopt this like i have a rule i have to listen to the album three times at least yeah 
So anyway, so be prepared if you do go in and have this discussion with kids. And I do, like you were saying, I think it's more appropriate for older kids. Mm. And when I say older, I mean like, you know, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. Um, and not that you can't, I mean, you can definitely touch on it with all grades, but as far as what kind of detail you want to go into and how far you want to take it. But I think, wow, what a great opportunity to open up like music and culture ideas and our preconceived notions. And this is, I think this is so exciting when it gets to showing how um, the world of music and the world of music entertainment like intertwines with our cultural experiences and expectations and how we can all like embrace more things and be more open-minded but you got to know your kids and you got to be and you got to be gentle and caring and and not get annoyed when they giggle and laugh and whatever yeah so thanks david for the question thank you david And now it's time for our work smarter, not harder teacher tip. And Carrie, you've got a brilliant one, right? Well, it's someone else's brilliant one, and I'm just resharing it for the masses. Um, So Amy Burns, who has done lots of tech stuff in many different platforms, um, shared this tip in a couple different Facebook groups. And I was like, yes, this is so exciting. It's just such a simple thing, and I had no idea. So Facebook video, or Facebook, hi, where are we? YouTube videos. If you want to share a video with your students from YouTube and you want it to just pop up without the sidebar, without the comments, without anything, and you aren't embedding it into a Google slide, you're just sharing them with the link, there's a way to do this. And it's very simple. You just got to practice it a couple times. So any YouTube video the link up in the address bar. If you simply add a dash or a hyphen, whatever you want to call it, after the T of YouTube, you just add it in there and then enter it in again, the whole address with that added dash in there, it will open up the video in what's like basically an embedded mode or a presentation mode where it's the full screen and it's just the video without all the gobbledygook on the side. And I'm pretty sure it takes out the ads too, although I'm not positive about that because I I do pay for a YouTube premium account with no ads. I decided to do that a while ago. I just pay for it with my own money um, That for when I'm using YouTube with my kids. So I don't know if mine's filtering out the ads because of that or if it's because of the embedded thing. So I'm not positive if it takes the ads out do you know tanya have you played you know with what this i don't know because i've been doing so much embedding into google slides that i right i haven't played with this enough right um, but it basically, i don't have a premium account yeah okay so I, i'm not going to promise anything with the ads but it definitely takes out the comments and the suggested videos and just makes it simple full screen video press play does um, it so, stream to the next video or does it stop i believe it just stops that's cool. Yeah. So if you wanted to share on Seesaw or if you wanted to put the link in something like a, a Google Doc or, or something where you weren't embedding it. Now, if you're embedding it into Google Slides, it basically does the same thing. But this allows you to basically put embed mode into a link. And, and I've used it mostly with Seesaw because if I'm doing things in Google Classroom, I'll, I'll embed it. But if I'm doing things with Seesaw, it's just nice. I can give my students the link and off they go to watch the video and it just doesn't have all the extra stuff. So thank you to Amy Burns for sharing this awesome tip. I've been enjoying it and I hope other people do too. 
So for today's CODA section, rather than just giving one recommendation, Tanya and I are going to share our 21 for 2021 lists. And this is um, inspired by Gretchen, who? (laughs) Forgot her name. Gretchen Rubin and her sister Liz, who do a podcast called Happier, which I highly recommend. And... um, yeah, the idea is that this is not a list of New Year's resolutions. It's a list of concrete things that you want to accomplish in the next year. And it can be anything you want. It's These are not like, I will floss every single day. This is, I'm going to get... Um, I don't know. I, I mean, we'll, 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 we'll say. We'll, okay. We'll okay. Say our own. Yeah. So we're, we're going to, we're just going to fly through five at a time, not going yep. into too much detail, but then hopefully within this... There will be some recommendations that are Coda-esque is the idea. It it is very Coda-esque. Yes. This is why we're... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you go first, Tanya. First five. Go. Okay. My first five. All right. Um, I like Goodreads. Oh, please friend me. No one's friending me. I would like friends. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, My my reading challenge for 2021 is read 30 books, which I don't... Yeah. That's... That's very doable. So I just want to make sure it can be something I could do. All right. Number two. Oh, yeah. I need to find a seven foot by four foot bookcase for our bedroom um, because we need another bookcase. Number three. Review five podcasts. We're always asking for podcast reviews from people. And then I thought, you know what? I could do that. Like That's I can go on my, <laughs> my five favorite podcasts um, or even more and say, hey, here's a review. Like, yeah, I'd like to do that for at least five. Uh, number four, give blood four times this year. I've been giving blood for the last couple of years. This past year, I gave blood twice, and I just thought once a season, give it four times a year. Number five, read 21 minutes a day, and this is cribbed from Gretchen Rubin's um, uh, read 21 minutes for 2021. Okay. All right. All right. So my first five, number one, to do yoga with Adrian. Tanya, you've turned me into this yoga with Adrian person. I know lots of people are doing this. Although I'm not pressuring myself if it doesn't happen on a certain day, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm not necessarily every day, but as much as I can. Yoga with Adrian on YouTube. Awesome. Yeah. Um, number two, continue. So some of mine are continue. I hope that's allowed. Continue to try new recipes. This is something I put on my list for last year and meal planning. And it's something I really enjoy doing, looking at cookbooks and picking out new recipes. So that's fun. Um, number three, Tanya, you'd be very proud of me, is to use Goodreads, which I have. Yay. I started a Goodreads account, and it's fun. Um, I don't necessarily have a book goal, but my goal is just to use Goodreads. <laughs> so I'm on my way to that goal already. And we're friends now. We are friends. How nice. Yeah. Um, number four for me was to clean out my pantry. I have a huge walk-in pantry, and there were lots of foods in there that were expired, and so I I actually already did this last weekend. I emptied every single shelf, put everything all over the kitchen, wiped all the counters or the the shelves, threw away expired things, put it all back. And then number five, this is kind of a twofer, is to organize the pantry. So I got some of those lovely little containers and baskets. I didn't do like home edit through um, Container Store Access, way too expensive, but I found No, you're ready for your own show. Um, and it's not all like Roy G. Biv order or anything like that, but it's it's organized and lovely, and I love my pantry. So I've already done those. Check and check. Woohoo! All right, next five, Tanya. Okay. Um, walk 10 to 20 minutes a day with um, one of my children or both of my children. They need to get out. They need to get outside. 
Number seven, create a 2020 photo book because that was on my list last year and I didn't do it. And now also then I have a start a 2021 photo book. These, yes, I need to do more photo organizing. Number nine, and this is inspired partially by you, Carrie, increase my typing time. I'm really slow compared to all of you younger people because I did not take typing in high school and I, um, I, I grew up in the dark ages before lots of things and typing was not a thing that I really had to do until college and I am slow. Um, and then I, I just watch you carry and just like, doo, 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 doo. so yeah, I'm going to do an online program so I can increase my typing time because, um, that needs to happen. Um, is that, oh, and number 10, uh, doing a built-in bookshelf in a special spot in the living room, thanks to Jeremy, Carrie's husband, who is um, going to help us do the thing, like design and carpenter it. And I don't know. I mean, we're going to we're gonna pitch in, but it's really Jeremy is going <laughs> to... He's got some good carpentry skills. He's got skills. Yeah, and he, really and he also helped us with our um, garage re-roofing. Yeah. a few years ago and it's a so jack of all trades yeah <laughs> so i'm excited about that built-in bookshelf yeah all right, all right my next all five right. um so something that i collect is fiesta wear tanya's been listening to my latest <laughs> obsession i've had fiesta wear for a long time but i've just recently gotten into like the actual collecting side of it a little bit more um and i joined a facebook group and that led down a whole rabbit hole so anyways i'm, I'm adding to my fiesta wear collection i've already added some pieces and colors this year but the new color will be announced like next week and then we'll see i'll go from there um number seven i want to redo my dining room wallpaper there is wallpaper in my dining room that's probably like 30 years old um and it's the one place where i actually do want to redo and actually do wallpaper because you know wallpaper is kind of a trendy thing but i think it'd be fun in the dining room so i want to do that um number eight i want to get a new bike and i want to start biking a little bit more uh number nine this is also along the same line as discovering new hiking trails i love the app all trails i use it all the time and um rather than just do the same hiking trails we always do it's always fun to branch out and find some new ones and then oh this is like a whole outdoor section here number 10 is to go camping we did not go camping last year um you know partially because of covid and just you know schedules and things but we are tent campers and we we need to go camping this summer so that's a goal right all right. Awesome. You, Tanya. Yeah. Okay. My number 11 is create at least three new TPT products. Hey, guess what? I have a TPT store that has been languishing for years and years and years. Um, I like my products and I am not a go get them seller per se. It's mostly I make things that I use and then if I'm able to find the time to package it up and put it on the TPT store, then I do. But lately I, I have felt like, oh, you know what? I need to make this for my own self and I might as well put it on TPT. And it's a process that I don't have nailed down and I'm kind of slow at. It's not, my TPT store has not been a priority. Um, but your and stuff I'm not, is good. When you put it up there, it is good. Yeah, so I'm not like committing to jumping in and doing like 
changing my branding and making it all. No, I just want to create three new TPT products. It's selfish because I want to use them. All right. Uh, number 12, organized desk drawer in home office. I know that sounds like such a piddly thing, but you should see my drawer. Um, number 13, organize my Google Drive. Ditto. Uh, number 14, complete donors choose. Yeah, you know what? I've never done a do donors choose. It's and I, I, Yeah, and I need to just do it. I've been nervous about it, and I'm going to do it. Um, and number 15, get a cat. Aww. We put a deposit down for a Siberian kitten that doesn't exist yet because there's a long waiting oh, list. Because um, these are like the hypoallergenic or hyper. Yes, hyper, my hypo. son is. Yes, my son is very allergic, and so we've been doing our research. And oh boy, we hope it works. But yeah, it's a process. Um, so maybe we'll have a new cat by like August, Aww. and we put down a deposit in like um, November. So those are my next five. Nice. All right. I have a couple of somewhat professional ones in an order here. So um, so number 11 for me is to de develop my um, level three Kodai course. It looks like I will be teaching level three Kodai this summer. So um, at, at Colorado Kodai Institute um, officially. Um, Are we allowed to say more things? Just that it's happening. That's been announced. Okay. So I just need to get my stuff in in order for my, my no. Level I mean, are we course. are we allowed to say um, what the um, platform environment is? No. Okay. I <laughs> I mean, I don't. I think it's still being developed. It's not that we're allowed or not allowed. There's nothing's okay, decided just, yet. But never mind. I shouldn't say it. Said it's happening. We can say it's that happening. it's happening. And I I think I can say that I'm teaching it because I think that's pretty official. So, anyways, yes. yay! I need to to get my my level three stuff in order. That's all. Um, and then along those lines, this was on my list for last year and it didn't happen. I really do want to read Kodai today. I've never really read it. I have it. I've referred to it, but I've never like read it. So that's my next one. Um. I want to continue to learn more songs on the ukulele and keep developing my ukulele skills um, just for me, for fun. But then that goes to number 14, which is um, I want to create a little, you know, ukulele curriculum for my students since I just got all those ukuleles from Donors Choose. I know there's lots of great resources out there, but I want to customize it for my own kids, my own students. So I got to work on that. And then number 15, this isn't professional, um, is to spend more quality time with my hubby without the children. Um, my kids are now at an age where we can leave them for small bits of time. So I want to like go to happy hour with my husband once in a while or, or play board games, just the two of us, because we always play games with our kids. And it's fun to have, you know, adult board game time. So, um, you know, date nights, happy hours, hubby time. That's my Good number time. 15. All right, last six. We'll have to do six last this six. time. Okay. So my 16, participate in our district equity and diversity book club that we are now forming in our district for music educators that are in our district. We're, we're going to be reading a, um, you know, professional nonfiction uh, book focused on equity and diversity, specifically in music education and have, um, you know, Zoom book club discussions. And I'm very excited about that because I... I really need accountability and I love talking to other people about books. All right. Um, I just have to interrupt you and say that was my number 16 as well. Oh, Isn't look at that. that crazy? Like it was That's on my so list cool. and it was literally number 16. So there you go. Well, mono eat mono. Wow. Okay, keep going. Whoa. Okay, <laughs> number 17, Carrie, music teacher coffin, coffee talk merch. <laughs> 
coffin. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> that's for when you're older. Uh, music teacher coffee talk. That's the podcast you're listening to now. Hey, that's uh, us. Merch. Merch. <laughs> Even if it's just us that have it. Like I We just want coffee cups for ourselves. We really just want coffee cups. It just needs to happen. It's so silly that it hasn't happened. I think we could do t shirts too. <laughs> Possibly. Okay. Keep going. Okay onward uh paint trim and banisters downstairs in the house so this is a project that that me and my family um headed by my husband we started to do this last summer and we used older paint and we did a really crappy job and now it's horrible oh. um i'm sorry i said a bad word um we yeah. need to, to redo it and make it lovely all right number 19 celebrate my well, let's just say it. My 51st birthday, big, because, um, yeah, I have a birthday in July. And last year, it was my big, oh, my God, 5-0 birthday. And, and thank you, Carrie, for you and your husband coming over. I'm not trying to say I had a lovely time. It was great. We were limited with our experiences. But it was it was a COVID style birthday. Were we originally going to go to Hawaii for your fiftieth? Well, birthday? yeah, that's it. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know if I can afford that big, but like, right. I just want to go bigger for my fifty first birthday. Yeah, you um, need a redo. We need a redo. We need a redo. I think everybody needs a redo. Yeah. All right. Um, number twenty. Play piano three times a week. Me and the piano. I tell you what. If there was ever an instrument that I so loved and admired but terrified of, it would be the piano for me. <laughs> I am a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I, I get by on a lot of different instruments, but boy, the piano just freaks me out. Um, I just, I just, I, I need, I need more piano. All right. And, oh, here's a fun one. Number 21, review this list monthly. Oh, <laughs> That's fun. Uh, you're gonna laugh when I get to my 21 then, because it's related. Okay. Oh, woohoo! Okay. Now All right. You. So I just said 16 is to participate in our 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 committee book study for with our district, and I'm excited for whatever book we're gonna choose. We have some good options in there. Oh, I can tell you a little bit later. I know what it is. Oh, so fun. Okay. Um, number 17. Um, it's it's not specific, but it just says more off screen time. I've I've seen uh -oh. some different organizations about, um, you know, so many hours outside with your kids. Something I'm trying to propose to my kids and myself is whatever screen time they do during the day needs to equal outside time. So if they want to wow. do an hour of screen time, they need to do an hour of outside time. That doesn't necessarily have to be physical activity. It could be reading a book. It doesn't count that they get to take their screen outside, though. But, you know, like, we went to the park for two hours yesterday. <laughs> Double and dip. I was I was perfectly fine with them having two hours of video game time because we were at the park for two hours. You know, just trying to find more of a balance. And it's it's not necessarily a numbers game, but maybe it should be. Um, number 18, similar to your photo thing, I, I got those big organization boxes with file folders for, like, all my kids' like school papers and stuff. And mm -hmm. I have them. I just need to actually sit and do it. Um, you know, make make a file folder for each of their grades and all their report cards and school pictures and artwork and all that stuff needs to go in there. Just need to do it. 
Um, number 19 is to keep cross-stitching. I have some ideas for some cross-stitching projects I'm excited about, so I just Ooh. want to keep on going with that. Um, number 20, I got a stand mixer for Christmas from my family, like a KitchenAid. This is my big thing. I've never been much of a baker, but I've started to do more baking. I mean, like so many of us during COVID, it's like, I'm going to bake all the things now. I tried baking bread, and it was horrible, so I don't know that I'm ready for bread, but I do want to make, like, pizza dough, and I want to- do quick breads. Well, yeah, no, quick breads are fine. I mean, like real breads. It was, it was not good. Um, but I just want to use my stand mixer and do more baking because I really do enjoy it. Um, so yeah, very excited. And then my my twenty one is just funny because yours is like to review your list. Mine was just to make this list because I am not good with making lists. And I told Tanya this. She knows this, but she is encouraging me, and I did it, and I'm okay with it. It's fine. It's not that bad. But and now just, you can check that one off. I exactly. It was kind of a, a funny freebie for myself I was like make this list check I made this list but you're right I should actually make it and like maybe print it because I did it digitally this year I just typed it but I'll print it and put it somewhere so I can like review it once in a while that's a good idea so there you go there's our lists happy 2021 everybody happy 2021 We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Our show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk. If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we'll be starting a new grade level series we are calling New Favorites, where we will discuss new and successful ideas we've tried this year in each grade level. Our first episode in this series will be called New Favorites for 5th and 6th grade. So until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie, wishing you happy musicking.